You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 518, The Prince, HBO's satire on the royal family, the rise and the fall of the X Factor, and a quiz to test your music knowledge. That's all coming up after Prince and the greatest romance ever sold. is from a great album that seems to exist under the radar when Prince's greatest works are discussed. Uh, the, the, there are some great 
uh, guest appearances, including Sheryl Crow and Gwen Stefani. Mm. The album is Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic. And from it, this single from the autumn of 1999, only number 65 in the UK and number 63 on Billboard, Prince and the Greatest Romance Ever Sold. That's such a lovely way to start this week, I think, on the show. It's it's marvellous. And I agree with you as well. It's it's odd that that went so far under the radar. And I think that one of Prince's great strengths, particularly later in his life as well, I think, is how good he was at championing championing women i think as mm. as you know sort of female artists he was he was a great support i think and towards the end of his life sort of young young singers like leanne havis and lauren vula he was he he really did a lot to sort of support them in their careers i i just think he was such a such a, a genuine ally i think towards towards female performers and like you say using gwen stefani and Cheryl crow on that album is is great so hooray for prince when I saw him live in uh, 2007 at the O2 in London, I, it's, it's embarrassingly, I can't remember her name, but he had this fantastic woman drummer. She was mm. a tiny slip of a person, and yet she was bashing those drums like, like, like she had mm. baseball bats and um, she was just incredible I've, I've never seen such a talented sort of prolific drummer with a you know her hands were a blur can't remember her name that's really embarrassing but uh, yes he he does champion and yeah. did champion women uh, right throughout welcome to the parish council episode 518 i'm terence dackham and well Let's check to see if she's got over the sad news that she hasn't been selected to sit in for Charlie Watts. It's Juliet Harris. I mean, they've really missed a trick. The oh. loss is the Rolling Stones loss rather than mine. But anyway, never mind. I'm 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 sorry for poor old Charlie, who by mm. far and away, we've commented recently on this podcast, seems the most sensible Rolling Stone by yeah. about a million miles, I think. I hope Charlie is well. I send my best to him. He seems like one of those people that I'd quite like to know, I think. I think he'd be <laughs> great. Anyway, yes, I'm, I'm not so good for the Rolling Stones, but oh. that does allow me more time to do this, which this is, is an excellent, excellent turn up for the books. Hello. In some ways, I suppose it's a surprise that there haven't been more attempts to satirise the British royal family. It's arguable that the material is there waiting to be written. But HBO, Home Box Office, have filled that gap with a new cartoon series called The Prince, putting at its centre eight-year-old Prince George, whose voice is undertaken by Gary Janetti, the writer and the creator of the series. Now, the cast includes some A-list names. Mm. Alan Cummings, Orlando Bloom, Francis de la Tour. Mm. So expectations were high. Now, some might argue that it's fair game to poke fun at an eight-year-old boy. In this case, as he was born into a life of privilege. On the other hand, others may see it as morally questionable at, at, at the least. However, Jules, as with many controversial shows, much is forgiven if the content is funny. Mm. Did the prince have you rocking about on your sofa with uncontrollable fits of laughter? Well, this takes us back to when we were speaking about Nicky Campbell the other week, when we were talking mm. about satire in general and saying that people will forgive a lot if you're really funny. Um, there were some, there were a few lines that I that I did grin at in this, but um, and this was in a 12 minute episode, and I probably smiled three times, which is not a great hit rate for a comedy. I thought this was really puerile, actually. And and this is me saying this, and I'm willing to own my own impurity, <laughs> if that's a word. I know, I, I, I still laugh at bum jokes. I'm not proud. And mm. and yet, you know, and yet I found this, my main feeling was, what on earth is Frances Delatour doing in this? Mm. That was my, that was my, because she stole the show as the queen for me. I thought she was, she was excellent. Um, I just didn't think this was very good, if I'm honest. There, there were a few moments which were which were mildly amusing. I thought. I thought that the the, the Meghan and Harry thing was 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 quite funny, and I thought that the the ushers that had to go to the basement were were the the staff were were, were the bloke that was new. I thought that was that was almost funny, but otherwise, I just I just thought it was. I didn't know who it was aimed at because because. Prince George was sort of played with an American accent and the whole thing was a bit Americanized. Yeah. It was on HBO Max, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I just it was it was almost like Americans doing satire of British of, of the British royalty. And that kind of gives it it's that kind of thing, oh well we can take the Mickey out of our own people but not other people. I'm not a royalist and even I blanched slightly at the Americans taking the Mickey out of us, mm. you know, that's it's not that way round, she said very Britishly and annoyingly. But I I just I didn't think this was any good. Are we you kindly sent me two episodes to watch, twelve minutes each, and I couldn't bear more than one twelve minute episode. Mm. And that 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 I think kind of says it all really. I I mean 
I probably am a little bit more tolerant of of, of, of the satire than, than than perhaps some people might be, but I just didn't think it was very funny, really. I thought it was. I thought even even for a twelve minute episode, I felt there was padding. And really, if you're only twelve minutes long, why are you padding? For goodness' yeah. sake, you know it's it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it had there were bits of it that had some sort of potential, but the whole thing, the Prince Philip thing, was particularly tasteless. I think it even was. I thought that was horrible. And you know, given that you know he he's dead now, you know, is it is it mm. really right? It wouldn't have been nice to do that when he was alive, but I just. It wasn't for me, and I I can't see how this is going to have any legs, really, just simply because it just wasn't very good. No, I mean, when we review something, I usually watch it at my desk, and I make a lot of notes, at least, say, a a side of A4. With The Prince, I found I had nothing to write, as it left me absolutely Mm. stone cold. It wasn't, I didn't find it funny at all, and the outrage was so clumsy. uh, Yeah. The attempts at being outraged, so clumsy, just silly. And, um, I, you know, I'm quite serious when I say I could have written something better than this oh, sort of 12 minute so, war fest so could in have real I, time. Frankly. You know, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, I think many people could. It was dire. <laughs> um, clearly aimed at an American audience because um, episode one dealt with Prince George seemingly becoming obsessed with Kelly Ripper, who is virtually unknown. I mean, I, was say, I had to Google her. I didn't mm. even know who she was. Yeah, she hosts, as, as you all now found out, she hosts a morning TV show with Ryan Seacrest. It's a sort of American Holly and Phil um, and, type and show. And the whole thing was American, wasn't it? And that, that's American, why yeah. it didn't really work for me. I think if it had been British, it might have had a bit more of that self-deprecating kind of humour about it. And it might have had a little bit more warmth to it, really. I mean, I'd satire only works, I think, if there is a sort of a a moral compass underneath it. And I didn't feel there was one here, really. No, I mean, had there been even the merest whisper of humour in the in, mm. in the prints, it may have led to some small spark of interest. But in fact, it's based on making fun of a real eight-year-old boy. And that's tedious. It's not funny. It's disrespectful. Also, it's badly written. And the animation, by the way, is awful. It's, it's not great, basic. is it? No, no. It's like 1950s soviet cartoons um really <laughs> i'd have um, rather watched worker and parasite from uh from <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yes. the, the the itchy and scratchy ripoff in the simpsons than, than this frankly yes so uh not recommended the prince season one episodes one to twelve they were, were uh, released <laughs> by hbo on july 29th twenty. i like that very much not recommended yes. um we did we will not get the 12 minutes that we spent watching it back and neither will no, you that's right um by the way but to save people uh tweet or emailing in Cora Coleman Dunham was the Prince drummer in 2007. Ah, nice. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) By all means, get in touch with us anyway. We'll tell you how to do that at the end of the programme. Coming next, um, so farewell then, X Factor. Mm. Um, We look at the highs and lows. That's next, right after Lord. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies and I'm not proud of my address in a torn up town no postcode envy but every song's like gold teeth grey goose dripping in the bathroom bloodstains ball gowns trash in the hotel room we don't care we're driving Cadillacs in our dreams but everybody's like crystal Maybach diamonds on your timepiece jet planes In your love affair And we'll never be royals It's a one in our blood That kind of luck's just ain't for us We crave a different kind of buzz Let me be your ruler Cadillacs in our dreams. 
affair And we'll never be royals It's a one in our blood That kind of looks just ain't for us We crave a different kind of buzz Let me be your ruler that's the kind of royals based content that is actually <laughs> worth bothering with i think you see what i did there just i can't she was like 17 when that was released was, wasn't she or some yeah. ridiculous age just so self self-assured but not in a not in an overly self-confident way i love that record there's so much space in it and you get the impression that she is entirely in control just such an exciting artist and because uh, has continued to make brilliant records i think that is great that is Ro- lord and royals Yes, yet to repeat that success. So she has a new album, uh, Solar Power, coming out in just Mm. over a week when we record this. She's Um, become an albums artist rather than a singles artist now. I think melodrama was excellent. So, um, so, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, like you say, not, 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 and haven't has hasn't had a worldwide hit. Well, Team was good, and I think we played that before, Mm. but didn't have a worldwide hit of the same gravity, but still, still releasing great albums. I think, and I look forward to to Solar Power. That should be good. Always relate to Lord because she's got as many names as me. Her real name is <laughs> Ella Maria Lani Yellick O'Connor. That is, I mean, I can see why she went with Lord. That is yes. nastier, isn't it? That would be hard to get Ella Maria Lani Yellick O'Connor on a record label. Really, exactly. Really, really. You, can't, you can't emboss it on leather. It wouldn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pattern emerging, um, mm. certainly in the UK, with a certain genre of television shows. Maybe we call them reality, maybe mm. aspirational showbiz. But they all seem to start off with fireworks, huge interest from both media and viewers and then yeah. the scales begin to tip the other way mm. and advertisers crucially and viewers begin to lose interest we've seen mm. this with a number of shows big brother who wants to be a millionaire and now x factor which started in the uk in 2004 it took a year or two to really establish itself as must see tv mm. it had been t- preceded by pop idol beforehand yeah. and yes, pop stars before that that's right well young and so on yes but by the time leona lewis won it in 2006 and then in further years alexandra burke little mm. mix perhaps it peaked it peaked in 2010 with matt cardle rebecca ferguson and especially one direction as the yes. top three artists But by the time the excellent Sam Bailey won, just three years Mm. later in 2013, with viewer ratings actually dropping through the season and the wheels began to fall off Mm. then, technical issues, contestant controversies, never really to recover. This week it's been announced that ITV have declined to opt in for any more seasons of Mm. The X Factor. Will it be missed, Jules? And, and, And what are your memories of X Factor? Well, like you say, it, it's a little bit like all of those reality style programs, particularly Big Brother. I think there's a parallel here, here that when it first started, it was something that was quite new. It was something that was quite fresh. It was quite interesting. Um, it gave more space to sort of contestant stories. And and like you say, it became a victim of its own success. And you got the impression that, that manu- uh, so they started to try and manufacture things rather than stories occurring naturally. I mean, I remember Pop Idol as 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 the, its predecessor as producing, naturally producing. That series had the almost made for TV ness of Gareth Gates and his stutter of mm. of Will Young and of the the perennially ridiculous Darius as well. It threw up I mean, natural yes. characters that were you know that were genuinely great and. Yeah, like you say, gradually it became ever diminishing returns, didn't it really? And I think mm. that people cottoned on to Simon Cowell's 
it just it just began to feel so manipulative didn't it really just this idea and this kind of god-given they felt you get the you got the impression that they felt they had this god-given right that no matter what they released x factor would be number one at christmas and Mm. and the first signs we saw of dissent against that were the rage against the machine campaign to keep joe McEldery off off number one with uh with 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 a a killing in the name of which Mm. whilst Whilst aspects of that were pure, our word of the week, um, I, I think people got just got sick of it, really, and just got sick of the idea that it, it just it was so nakedly about selling music as product rather than necessarily being invested in the process. And also, it lost a lot of steam because... Of course, it is very easy to shove someone in a studio, particularly if they're doing a cover, and come up with something listenable in the run-up to Christmas. So the the person wins in like the second week, the first week of December. You shove them in a studio, two days later, they produce a record, you mass-release it for the market, you know, and it becomes Mm -hmm. Christmas number one. It takes several months to put an album together, and by the time that album is released in August, September... It's old news. That's the thing. It, it what goes up if, if something goes up very quickly, it's likely to come down at exactly the same speed, if not faster. There's probably some law of physics motion thing that I can yes. cite there. I don't know, but anyway, it's it's yeah. And 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 like you say, I mean, I used to really enjoy the the the, the bit of it that I liked the most. I enjoyed the psychology behind it, particularly the judging and who they chose and who they didn't. And I think that the the judges they had in the earlier seasons, particularly again, I know that it's not quite the same program but particularly in pop idol people like nikki chapman whose judgment i always found really interesting who wasn't the louis walsh end of it where you feel that it's much about him than it is anything else um the picking dreadful novelty acts and all that kind of nonsense but i remember her her sort of her insights and the judges houses bit i've always enjoyed because you you see who they pick and who they don't and i find that that aspect of it really interesting where it really lost me was and i can't remember when this was time wise but you remember there was one season a few years ago where they introduced this thing where one of the rounds they involved sitting contestants on yes, chairs yes, whilst indeed. they were singing and people would have the chairs pulled away mm. from them. And I just, my mum said it was a bit like Danny in the lion's den, really, because the yeah. crowd dragging them on. It was just horrible. And I just thought, you know what? I don't really watch this anyway, but it's the sort of thing where if I was around my mum's house or if I was, you know, I was, I was at home and it just happened to be on, a bit like Strictly for me now, I would just leave it on in the background and maybe get hooked into it. I just thought, I don't agree with this anymore. I think it's horrible. And I think that switched a lot of people off, actually. I I mean, Simon Cowell has always been, you know, the music as product man. When you look at his previous hit records, um, he was a man that got Mr. Blobby to number one, I believe. So <laughs> so he's he's not, you know, you would never, he, he was hardly Brian Epstein, was he? And he was hardly, you know, you would hardly say, oh, you know, I don't even think he's Stock Aitken and Waterman, if I'm frank, you know, mm. I, 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 he was always, it was always going to go that way. There was an interesting programme to be made, I think, very much like Big Brother now, I think, or, or before its end anyway. And the, the first bits were quite interesting because it hadn't been done before. And the psychology aspect of it was really interesting. But it became less about that and more about either trying to shock and like we said about the, the programme previously, you know, this kind of confected outrage mm. that just it was so, trying so hard to be outrageous. It was just really tedious. They got awful sort of self-involved look at me style judges, which I don't think were very, were very helpful. Sort of Sharon Osbourne and the like. I didn't enjoy that very much. And I just, I don't know, I, I, like you say, I mean, Indie Me, it didn't sit that well with Indie Me to begin with, really. But the psychology angle was interesting. But yeah, like you say, it hasn't produced a truly enormous act since the days of Little Mix and One Direction, really. So, so it was, it was kind of you could put it in the box mark chuffing hell. Was she, were you still going in terms of you know, in terms of it was still on because I, you know, I, I didn't, I just thought it had stopped ages ago because I'd stopped taking interest in it really. So, so it produced some good acts. It was an interesting concept to begin with, but like all of these things, it became bloated by its own self satisfaction and it stopped having anything relevant to say several years ago. Yes, I'd rather suspect with it generating tens of millions um, each year for Simon Cowell, I, I rather think he maybe wishes it wasn't being put out to pasture. But I think no matter what 
twists or new elements that might have been brought in it's beyond saving you're right yeah. about that awful cruel element of that chair oh, hor- thing, which really horrible. The chair. you're in you're going through to the next round ray look at me mum oh no you're not you've got to move out for somebody else now no you're coming back we're going to put you in a boy band oh you can't get a visa you can't go to america okay you're not in the x factor anymore that all of that was so cruel mm. and awful. yeah horrible um the format i think feels tired and i yeah. do think um along with you that maybe viewers have grown weary of Simon Cowell himself and not the most likable character no. on television. And um yes, like you say, not to be unkind, but with no discernible talent for anything himself other than the he struck lucky with this format. He he hasn't got a talent for anything. He's a um, salesman. He's, he's yeah, and yeah, he, he yeah. could be frogging things of beans, I think, yes, in my view. It's it's exactly, it's it's yes. he sells products. He doesn't necessarily sell anything other than that, is my view. Even though some decent singers have been found, if you yes. take away the constructed groups of Little Mix and One Direction, and of course Harry Styles is a genuine yes, talent. A genuine star. star. Yeah, absolutely. Hardly anyone, if we look back, has had a sustained career at the top level out of it. Uh, Unless they've gone to America. Someone like Leona Lewis, for example, is much Mm. bigger stateside than she is over here. But yeah, I agree with you. You could probably include the kind of people that had sustained careers. Will Young, probably. And, and mm. you know, from the pop idol format. And that's pretty much it, isn't it, really? Pretty there aren't much. many people. JLS, I think, had a good run, didn't they? And their members mm. have gone on to do other things. But, um, yeah, there's there's an Alexander Burke still pops up from time to time. But, but yeah, not, not many people that have really stayed the course. No. I suppose someone somewhere is mapping out a new zinger of a format. And very possibly this time next year, much of the nation will be hooked by some new phenomenon mm. along the lines of uh, millionaire Big Brother X Factor. But until then, farewell, X Factor. And um, sadly, you, you know, you won't be much missed, I think. Indeed. Uh, Although uh, perhaps I haven't bought Private Eye recently, but I'd be interested to see if EJ Thrib <laughs> has, uh, has marked it in the passing and what Keith's mum thinks, crucially. Yes, very much so. Coming right up, a Spotify quiz to test mm. Juliet and oh, you. My. OMG, come on, guys, we can do this. That's right after Graham Parker. You
a lovely track that is, arguably from his most productive period. It reached number 50 in the UK. Terrific single from Graham Parker, Temporary Beauty. He's a cool cat, Graham Parker, isn't he? I'm a big fan. Now, we haven't had a quiz for a little while, so I thought, mm, okay. let's, let's not let Juliet and the listeners get too comfortable. I was going to say, my brain has gone to mush, so let's try and see if we can sharpen it up a bit. Let's try and get it whirring with a quiz based around Spotify called What's My Top Tune? I'm going to throw a few artists' names at you, and mm. you simply have to tell me what is their most streamed song Ooh, on Spotify. How interesting, okay. And if you don't get it with your first guest, I'm going to give you a multiple choice of three. So oh, okay. This this is very generous. This this is, is sort of a extremely. this is a quiz slash gossip, isn't it? Isn't it? it? I is like really, this sort of thing. Yes. But first of all, bearing mm. in mind all of the top 100 stream songs on Spotify have all exceeded one billion mm. plays. That's a lot, a lot of streams, isn't it? Wow. Seven seven of seven of them have breached two billion streams mm. as of this month. Wow. So just as a lead, which artist and which song? And if you don't get it, I'll give you multiple choice. Which artist and which song is the most played on Spotify at 2.8 billion streams? Um, I'm going to go for, because it's exploded in such an enormous way recently, I will guess at Butter by BTS. Oh, that would be a very good guess. But uh, no, they're not in the top three. The, the, Ooh, okay. the, number, the number one artist, well, I'll give you three. I'll give okay. you three. And see, look, we've got. Tones and I, Dance Monkey. Oh yeah. Ed that was, Sheeran, that's... Shape of You. Yeah. And the Weekend, Blinding Lights. I'm going to go for Ed Sheeran. Correcto. Hey, get my excellent. little red pen out because I'm going to give you that, that is one. Lovely. Tick, Ed Sheeran, a tick into the desk. Little excellent. tick. Thank yeah. You. Ed Sheeran, Shape of You, the most played song on Spotify. It By is, the way, it is a good pop song. I will give him that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The artists with the most streams in the top mm. 100, um, Post Malone and Justin Bieber, they've got seven each. Mm. So neither of them need to worry too much about paying it's the election. It's still all right, bill. yes. Yeah. Um, and again, one more quick sort of um, Drive by, by, the, yeah. by the way type Spotify uh, question. Which song got the most streams in one single day? And so you've got to think about a time of year when everyone might play one. Oh, particular... yes. I think it might be something like Last Christmas by Wham. Or oh, number two. Oh, number two. So what's post. number one? It's, it's another one of those ones that, you know, but imagine not just in England. This is all around the world. So don't pick Slade or Wizard. What about Fairy Tale of New York? Is that good translated choice, international? She's a bit. Of, she's seen as a bit of a diva. Don't know if she really oh, is. Oh, all I want for Christmas for you is number one. Seventeen million streams wow. in one day. <laughs> That's immense. I mean, it's a great. It's it's a it's it's the last I think genuinely great Christmas record in terms of, of you know to, in terms of how the timeline works to the point where. My dad and I laboured under the, under the misapprehension for some time that it was like a Motown cover or something mm. because it is so so good. So yeah, I, I can't we can't take that away from Mariah. It's a gene. No. And oddly, I can't explain this. Number three in the most streamed in one day, Olivia Rodrigo and Driver's License. Oh, Don't know well, that, was, that, that I mean that that is she's broken a lot of records in being mm. the youngest person I think to have a number one here. And there's some there's some yeah she she's she's. Yeah, she, maybe it's the TikToks, Terence. Maybe it's that, oh, of like one of these young TikToks. person things. Yes, yes, yes. Right now, the 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 to the heart of it, we've got three questions. Right, and um, it's uh, which is the, the the most streamed on Spotify. We we yep. heard earlier that unfortunately you're not joining the Rolling Stones. Um, which is unfortunate, yeah. But from which from their litany of misogynistic, mildly racist uh, catalogue. <laughs> Is their most popular on Spotify now? The, 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 their number one is by quite some margin their most popular, and I would never have got this. So, Ooh, okay. which is their most stream song on the Rolling Stones' most stream song on Spotify? Well, if you're saying that you mm. would never have got this, I think that rules out Satisfaction, Jumping Jack Flash, and probably Brown Sugar as well. I think in you're terms correct of, to rule yeah. those out for the number yes. one. Okay, so let's go for something a little bit more, um, a little bit more um, unusual. What about? I'm just trying to think. Um, I can give you five to choose from if you wish. Oh uh, well, well, I'll guess at Paint It Black. Oh, then... straight Is in. Is that right? Oh one. wow, 
no way. Paint it black at 601 million places. Can you understand that? Because I can't. I cannot figure out why that I is the most. I think we might sense. be going back to. Do you remember we had a topic ages ago when we talked about how unusual it was that a pavement B side was by far and away oh, the most streamed? Yes, and it's the because the algorithm yeah. threw it up in a playlist. I wonder if Paint It Black has been on a million Halloween playlists that have been done on Spotify because it is their most Halloween y song. Oh, and may, maybe people listening to Halloween playlists good have heard thinking. it. Or was it used in a film? Was it used in a TV thing? Because there was a True Blood uh, about vampires. It must have been used on something. And I'm just going to have a quick look now and see mm. if Paint It Black was used on a, on a soundtrack. Because I'm thinking, like you say, there must be a hook to it. There must be. It must mm. be, have been in something or might have had a might have had a, a thing. I mean, when you Google Paint It Black, the first question, you know, it brings you questions in the search mm. results. Why is Paint It Black so popular? Ah. It's, it was in Full Metal Jacket, so maybe, oh, maybe see. it okay. was, maybe it's maybe been, it's been used in other things more recently. I don't know. It's um, the B side was called Stupid Girl, by the way, to lead into what you oh, were saying, yeah, what you there were you saying go. at the yes. at the beginning. It's um, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been used a lot in stuff. I think. Uh, right. Now you you mentioned um, satisfaction, so I'm going to give you that. That's number two. Rule out what you said. I think you said brown sugar, and I think you said jumping jack flash. They're not in the top five. So if you can give me one more out of the top five, then you win this by a mega margin. Okay. So you've got paint it black at one, satisfaction at two. What are three, four, or five? Um, as tears go by, is that the sort of thing people might? Okay. Um, let me think of other Rolling Stone songs. Um, um, I mean, I've always thought. Oh, uh, start me up. Number three. Yeah. Um, Angie, is that that? No, popular? no. I, I, tell me the other two. I, Jimmy I, Shelter I at number four, and Sympathy for the Devil at five. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. That 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 makes uh, Gimme Shelter and Sympathy De- Sympathy for the Devil often seem to come as a sort of a pair, don't they? So they as soon do. as you said one, yes. I, I guessed you were probably going to yes. say the other. Now we all know of your admiration. For Polly Jean Hart. Oh wow! I'm gonna get this horribly wrong. You may do because I would not have got this. Which I'll give you three though if you don't get it straight away. Which Polly Jean Harvey track is most streamed on Spotify? (sighs) Let's have a think. Um, Fifty Foot Queenie. Nope. Okay. Um. Okay. Not in the top three. I'll give you three. Give me three and let's see. This mess we're in. Down by the water. Good fortune. Oh, okay. So, so this mess we're in and good fortune come from a most commercially successful album, I think, oh, which is Stories from the City. The right lines. Um, well, you're working so, this out well. So let's go for. I'm going to go for Good Fortune because I think it's, it's used in something. It's this mess we're in. Ah, uh, because it's got Tom York on it, so you catch the radio. Oh, that would be it. Well. I was wondering why again you've solved it for me. There's an answer to all of these, isn't there? If you look, look and for it's, it. And, so. and it's and it's and again, I think it might have been. It's got the feeling. It, it's it's I think it's a great song. I'm not just saying this because PJ Harvey and Tom York. So obviously I was always going to like it. Yeah. But it's 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 very cinematic. There's something about it that's very sort of um that it would suit sort of a a long distance relationship type thing. Um, I I would surprise me if it hadn't been used in mm. in something. But yeah, just, but yes, I suspect that if you are a Radiohead fan. I bet it comes up on those. If you like Radiohead, you yeah, may like this because be, Tom yeah. York is on it. So I suspect that is what has caused that. The big finish now. You just knew it had to be the Beatles. Mm, but oh God! Which tracks? <laughs> the yeah, which tracks by the Fabo Mop Tops are their top five? Incidentally, none, no Beatles tracks have reached a billion streams, and no Beatles tracks feature in the Spotify Top 100, which is amazing that's surprising but, yeah but the top five the number one i feel unless you know it is going to follow your paint it black and this mess we're in mm. um trajectory because again you could have given me 10 15 guesses mm, okay. i would not have come up with the number one okay um I, i'm just gonna throw a song out there which uh, which is a single but perhaps you wouldn't necessarily pull it out of your brain immediately um i'll guess at hello goodbye no, not in the top five. Um, okay. It's a it's a George song from Abbey Road, and it's not oh, something. 
Uh, here comes the sun. Here comes the sun is number one. Would you ever in a million years have guessed that? It got. I... It's got to be your um, sunshine playlist, yes. summer playlist. Well, I'd, I'd, it's, it's good day sunshine high as well, because you'd <laughs> yeah. think that's probably on the same. And I suppose by, they were quite good at sun, but maybe sun king, king might have underperformed. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I'm not. Now you've said it, I'm not that surprised because it's a sort of pretty tune that fits in, like you say, with sunny day playlist. Mm. I bet algorithmically it kind of fits with with sort of other acoustic. I bet it's on a, a million and one acoustic chill style playlists yes. and things like that because we live in the era of the playlist for, for better or worse. So so I, I'm not that surprised actually because it's a sort of song which was never a big single necessarily, but everyone I know seems to like it. So so and mm. sometimes it's not necessarily the most successful songs in terms of people buying it that the ones that have the reach. It's the songs that just stick around and quite often are the most inoffensive, I think. So, yes, so there's, yeah, there's, there's, it's very difficult to dislike Here Comes the Sun. Even if you if it's not your favourite, people think, Oh yeah, that's that's a nice tune, isn't it, really? And often that's the thing that endures. So here comes the sun most uh, streamed Beatles song on Spotify. I've okay, got the top five. Just yeah. give me give me one of the top five. Um, um, uh, hey Jude is number five, correct? Mm. Uh, uh, let's let's try and think of some okay. others. Um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, no, think of, of um, think of Paul wistfully in the mid 60s. Oh, His, yesterday, yesterday's number four. I bet number that is three. High. Think of Paul wistfully at the piano. Um, let it be. Yes, is number three. Oh, you're very good at describing <laughs> this. This is great. And number two is um, another track from Abbey Road, and it's um, a John. Some... Oh, um, what else was on Abbey Road? Um, come together. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Yep. Come together. Come together. Yep. So in order, here comes the sun. Come together. Let it be yesterday and Hey Jude. There so all. All I mean the earliest song on that list is Yesterday, isn't it? That's which right. Was, Nothing other on, than that from. Yeah. Is Yesterday on Help or Revolver? I can't remember. It's one of those two, isn't it? Um, or Rubber Soul? Is it on Rubber Soul? Yesterday. It's Rubber Soul, isn't it? Off the top which, of my head. So so it's so it's mid so it's sixty five onwards, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So nothing, nothing from the early years. Which, given how massive they were, is really surprising, isn't it? It really is. It, it must. There's there's a a real scientific analysis to be done on yeah. this because there's the playlist thing, but there's also um some issue that uh today's spotify generation um are not picking up well first of all they're not picking up on the beatles at all because they're not in no. the in the in the top hundred no if you also, do an age analysis i bet that is all people that are 30 plus isn't it yes, probably probably be. more yeah. than that i would think it's, it's really fascinating i think mm, uh, it's, looking it's, at this because it's such a huge um base to pick from isn't mm. it this the sheer numbers so you can't say well that's just a one-off that uh paint it black is number one because 600 million people have streamed it it's, you know, it's really i mean it, it's really this is all i mean given the way that spotify is structured it's almost structured around playlists and radio and stuff mm. like that and and actually it's it's stuff that I, I would never dare call any of these bands generic, but it is really interesting mm. that PJ Holby's slightly more middle of the road stuff, as she put it herself once, pop by PJ Holby's standards is not really pop by many other people's <laughs> um, standards. But yeah. it's interesting that, you know, the mid-pace this mess we're in with Tom York on it, the sort of radio friendliness of good fortune, those are the things that endure rather than the rid of me style stuff that gets big write-ups um, down by the water perhaps a bit a bit of a better mix of weird and 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 kind of still sort of radio friendly but mm. yeah it's 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 all fairly accessible stuff isn't it really if you if you yes. if you sort of if you look i mean paint it black yes it's a bit weird and it's a bit creepy but it's it's not you know it's, it's melodic still isn't it That's yeah it is and it's got a boof 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 um yeah. so it's so it's you know it's it's and like you say it's it's so this idea, particularly, so uh, I'm, I'm music, um, iTunes, Apple Music works in a very similar way in that it constructs a radio station for you and it gives you, it, it throws you three playlists every week. It throws you a get up playlist on a Monday. It throws you a, a, a fa and Spotify does the same thing with it, it's a discover mm. playlist. It, it throws you a your favourites playlist on Tuesday and it throws you a, a 
uh, oh, four. It's supposed to be a new music one on Friday and a chill one on Sunday. And those mm. playlists are mostly constructed around what you've already listened to. Occasionally, yeah. I get stuff that I'm not familiar with. But like, so the new music ones is stuff like, oh, Sleet Kinney have got a new album out who I listen to all the time. Oh, Lamb have got some reissues. You know, oh, Elastica's box set is out. That kind of stuff. And when you listen to Spotify radio, it says it offers you radio stations based around one artist so mm. it will say oh you really like stereo lab here is a radio station for you and you get other artists as well but it's stuff that is very similar to stereo lab so mm. you might get broadcast or stuff like that which of course is then if you listen to lots of broadcast you then get stuff that sounds a bit like broadcast you might start to get things that are weird like or tetra or, or boards of canada stuff like that but it's very you get stuff that is pretty much like what you already like. It's not really introducing you to stuff that is radically different. They are using the algorithms and, and data and whatever to kind of give you stuff that, that is probably you're likely to like because it's like stuff you already know, which I think is why lots of the more generic style aspects of this art these artists these big big artists often quite innovative artists are the ones that rise to the top because it sounds like stuff you already listen to. And if that's yeah, the yeah. and if that's the future of music, is music going to get less innovative? Are, are mm. we and is and, it, and are people going to want to take less risks? Because even though you get no money in the grand scheme of things from streaming on Spotify, and there are campaigns and online services in mm. general, and there are lots of campaigns about that. It it is I hate to say it's exposure because that is always the excuse that people give for yeah. not paying you. But yeah. equally, if that is the if that is the way that people are, are grabbing new music, and then once we're allowed to do this again, I know we're gradually starting to have people play live again. Are people not going to want to take risks because they don't want to fall foul of the algorithms. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. I think that that could if if people pay uh, too much attention, I think to the, to their artists rather pay too much attention to their Spotify um, or iTunes stats, it could drive them into a corner of, of saying, well, we did well with that. We or better quite, do another version. Or, of it. or yeah. if it's not the artists themselves, it's the their record label record that company, might be. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did very well, I think. Well, so thank you very th much. I, I, I didn't disgrace myself, and that's always the that's always the life goal. That was the great Spotify What's My Top Tune quiz. Mm, maybe um, we could do that again. Let's do it again sometime because I did quite enjoy that actually. I okay, we will do it again. It we will. Thanks very much for listening this week. And yes, possibly, I, I echo my my excellent colleague's sentiments as always. Possibly you were shouting out the answers to the Spotify quiz. Oh, I hope quiz. so. And you probably did better than me. So well done <laughs> if you did. Now, as you won't be behind your drum kit, um, you'll have time for your radio show this weekend. <laughs> yes, that, you know what can I say? The Rolling Stones' loss is my listenership's gain. Yes, I'll be back on Mixler. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning. I'll be back this evening, uh, Sunday night, seven to nine. Uh, mixlr.com forward slash Juliet hyphen Harris, or just go onto Mixler and search for my name. Um, I'll be broadcasting live on my channel then, doing my smooth sailing show, which is stuff that is kind of relaxing and uplifting at the same time. Nothing massively challenging but stuff that is just good and enjoyable I think and if you miss it or can't listen but would like to catch up on another time then if you search on my page on, on Mixer there's a show reel button and if you press that all of the previous shows get uploaded there and so so yep if you'd like to come along I'd love to have you on the yacht and uh, oh an absolute beauty a Motown classic to play us out yes again Spotify threw this on a playlist to me the other day that I hadn't listened to in ages and just just a wonderful song and I, I saw the Motown musical um, the official Barry Gordon sanctioned telling of Motown about three or four years ago my mum we went to a matinee at, it might have been the London Palladium actually it was somewhere like that and what it kind although Barry was very keen on letting you know that it was all about him it showed the the, the big role that Smokey Robinson had in, in in the early days of Motown particularly and sort of being Barry's right-hand man and when I'm sort of researching songs and and playing them on the other show that I used to do the Saturday Social quite often you got the impression that Motown was successful in spite of Barry Gordy rather than because of him and that Smokey Robinson might have had quite a lot more to do with their success because every decision that Barry Gordy made was wrong and eventually overruled by the artist who insisted on a song being released and it went on to be really huge and um, I say a little prayer I think being one of the one of the the, the the examples of that but Smokey Robinson one of the greatest writers I think and, and often when people think about great Motown writers he you know people talk 
talk about the Holland Dozier Hollands, don't they? And and people sort of talk about Marvin Gaye, rightly so. But I I do feel that Smokey is is rather undersold occasionally. And I, I the thing that I I, I mean this is a perfect melody. I second I second that emotion is is just you know one of the sunniest kind of beautiful tunes but there's it, it's based on a poem which i i always enjoy i love a poem terence i can't i can't <laughs> resist it i'm really sorry but i just can't um it was written by um smoky robinson and al cleveland and the story behind it was um uh, they were shopping, Robinson and Cleveland were shopping at Hudson's, which is a D- Detroit department store, and uh, Robinson finds a set of pearls for his wife, Claudette. He says, they're beautiful to the salesperson. I sure hope she likes them. Um, Cleveland then adds, I second that emotion. And they laughed at mm. his mal- malapropism because he meant to say, I second that motion. And they ended up writing a song based oh, I around, I second that emotion. And I think that is such a, it's such a lovely little phrase, isn't it? And it's such a nice story as well that they were shopping for one of their wives and by buying her pearls i just I, I, there's a sweetness about that story that i think matches the song so this is glorious smoky robinson and the miracles and i second that emotion maybe you wanna give me kisses sweet but only for one night with no repeat and maybe you'll go away and never call and a taste of been listening to a Parish Council production.